Thank you for the strength to share the truth and the courage to share with us. A lot of people who look strong and who appear courageous are neither. Thank you very much for that. You know, I don't want to recap what she said, but I will say this. You cannot hide from your issues. You just can't brush them off. That was a word she used. You can't brush off your issues. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 40 years or 4 days. Your self-worth and your self-esteem is impacted in a negative way by your issues. And denial will keep you trapped. And I say all that to say this. Thank you, Celebrate, or thank you, Connection, for making Celebrate Recovery possible. I've said this twice now, after the testimonies. There was another church that tried to do Celebrate Recovery. As I understand, because I went out and talked to them when we were getting ready to do it, because I don't think we need to compete with another ministry. They were doing it in an abbreviated way. Often I'll get a call. Churches from other cities. And they'll talk about doing Celebrate Recovery and they suggest they're going to do it in the abbreviated way. I don't need to explain that to you now. And I share that Celebrate Recovery has to be done in its entirety. Or else the journey will not happen. And recovery from issues are a journey. It was a journey getting into your issue. Didn't happen today. Didn't happen yesterday. Happened over a period of time. And so four and a half, five years ago, Connection backed the training of ten of our people with the financial giving. And we sent those people to the West Coast. That was the closest training possible. And we've come back and we've given basically four, almost four and a half years to celebrate recovery ministry. If you happen to read in your worship handout, there's an article on Celebrate Recovery Training. We now have what we call our ministry team. Four key individuals, leaders. And we are going to send them to a closer training on the East Coast. Matter of fact, you can't get in and sit in on the training on the West Coast. It is, it is booked up basically a year in advance. This is, this is across the world. Celebrate recovery. Connection has been invited to be involved in Big Muddy. The man who, or woman, I don't know who it is, who is head of Department of Correction, State of Illinois, says they want CR in every prison. Illinois prison. Now our ministry leader and that ministry team will have to decide because that's, that, that's a big invitation with a big responsibility. But I want you to understand, connection has made that possible. We had been invited into the local jail some months ago, but just wasn't the right time for us. Now, we've been contacted about Big Muddy. That's a little bit larger than the local jail.
county jail. And whether we do that is not the issue I'm trying to push on you. Because you see, recovery is baby steps. People come to CR, they think in a week or two weeks it's done. Those people quit. They live their issues. And so is the ministry's baby steps. So we're going to send four people to Orlando, Florida. I'd like to send more. It's going to cost us $5,000. $10,000? Believe me, I, I'd do like I did before. I'd approach some people and say, hey, you want to go? We got $10,000. We've got to get the 5000 And I want to thank Connection. Because to this point, we have, you have given, we have given together $4,000. I am so excited. I've never doubted that. A couple of you have asked me questions about it. You know I've never doubted it. But we do need to come up with that next $1,000. We need to send these four. Whether you have been touched by CR or you haven't. And I've said this before. Some of us are, no, some of you, because it doesn't include me, are very fortunate. You had either the right parents or somebody impacted your life that your issues did not create great character flaws. And your life is pretty much together. And you know that. I think you ought to go home If that's you, this afternoon fall on your knees and thank God that you had that privilege. If you think that's all you're doing. But maybe because you got your life together, because people with issues don't normally handle finances well. And if you got your life together, chances are you handle your finances pretty good. Maybe you become a larger giver instead of an average giver. So I just invite you to read that small article. Envelopes are out on the table. They don't go till July. We're raising this money till July. And uh, if you want to give, you just put your money in the envelope and place it in the box in the back. And that's what we will use it for. Okay? A church member gave this story to me. Let, it re- let me read it to you. It's not a story that's brand new. It's been around for years. It's been told in different ways. Matter of fact, I thought about uh, doing a video because there's a video of this story. But uh, Mary was going to share this morning and, and most of you, most of you don't get here in time to see the first video which was a very good video, music video, about life ain't always beautiful. But let me read this story to you. Listen. A man found a cocoon of a butterfly. One day a small opening appeared. He sat and watched the butterfly for several hours as it struggled to force its body through that little hole. Then it seemed to stop making any progress. It appeared as if it had gotten as far as it could and it could go no further. No farther. The man decided to help the butterfly. So he took a pair of scissors 
and snipped off the remaining bit of the cocoon. The butterfly then emerged easily. But it had a swollen body and small shriveled wings. The man continued to watch the butterfly because he expected that at any moment the wings would enlarge and expand to be able to support the body which would contract in time. Neither happened. In fact, the butterfly spent the rest of its life crawling around with a swollen body and shriveled wings. It never was able to fly. What the man in his kindness and haste did not understand was that the restricting cocoon and the struggle required for the butterfly to get through the tiny opening were God's way of forcing fluid from the body of the butterfly into its wings so that it would be ready to fly once it achieved its struggle for freedom from the cocoon. I read that story to you because Sometimes, struggles are exactly what we need. In Matt's prayer, he said, God, you don't always give us what we want. You give us what we need. I hope you listen to his prayer. I said to my wife afterwards, such an amazing prayer was prayed. Sometimes, struggles are exactly what we need in our life. It is not that God causes struggles, okay? It is that struggles are a part of this life because this world has been tainted by sin's influence. I hate sin. You see, sin brings all the conflict. This world's God's garden. If we went back to Genesis, and, and I tell myself someday, I probably ought to do the book of Genesis. We thought Luke was long. <laughs> Just so you could understand, this is still the garden. All of it. This is still the garden. But it's a garden creation that's impacted by sin's influence. And sin brings struggles. But sometimes, struggles are exactly what we need. Because you see, God uses struggles to make us strong. God uses struggles to, to keep us from becoming, listen to me, emotional cripples. Some of you parents need to read this story because you're doing this to your children. And you know what? Your child is not four or five. Your child is 30 and 40. You see, God uses struggles to keep us from becoming emotional cripples. God uses struggles to help us touch. Now listen, the potential that He knows is possible for you. God uses struggles to help you become what He wants you to become. If you are to be a leader, God uses struggles so you understand how not to, to run away, but how to stay firm. 
God uses struggles, if I can use the butterfly as an illustration, so that we can fulfill what Isaiah 40 says, so that you can soar for God. And a lot of us never get off the ground. Let me play a ball game, I'll soar. Let me shoot a gun, I'll soar. Let me cast a line, I'll soar. Let me kiss a woman, I'll soar. But my potential for God. Because I don't face my struggles correctly. God uses our struggles. If you have your worship hand out, there's a page with a date, there's some blanks. Look at the first blank, what I wrote there. Fill in that blank. The devil wants to use your struggle... And I got use in capital letters, but the blank is the devil wants you to use your struggles to keep you from being usable. Not to God, for God. Every one of you pull away from a church, pull away from a responsibility in serving God, pull away from following people and serving God, pull away from your pastor when struggles come into your life. And I could say a lot of things. Pull away from being married. Pull away from being obedient to parents. See, the devil wants to use your struggles to keep you from being usable for God. God wants to use your struggles to make you usable for God. That's what He wants. You see, God created this garden so butterflies would fly and you and I could see. And listen, if sin never came, look, if sin never came, that butterfly would land on your hand, never fearful of you. If sin never came, you wouldn't have to shoot that big buck because I'm going to tell you that big buck would come and he'd just rub right alongside you. Like your pet dog. And you'd never want to shoot that pet buck. The rattlesnake would come up and you could pick him up. God wants you to use your struggle Make you usable for Him. That's why sometimes He'll use me to make you struggle. Sometimes He'll use your mate to make you struggle. Not because God creates the struggle through me or your mate, but because God knows it's time for you to grow. Most of us just like to hang out with people who make us feel good. I'm so thankful I had mentors that weren't concerned about whether I stayed with them and felt good, but they were more concerned that I would understand what the Bible has to say so that I could, if I do it, what Isaiah 40 says, soar. Struggles come into every one of our lives. Today you might be struggle free, but listen, tomorrow or the next day or next week it's going to come. Struggles always come because this is a sin-tainted creation. And many times in those struggles, it is that God is using you to grow you. Be careful of pulling away. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you, you can find yourself pulling away because where you used to walk beside your mate, you don't walk as close. Where you used to long to sit with your mate, you don't sit as much. You don't ride as much. Where you used to sit toward the front, you now sit toward the middle. Where you used to sit toward the middle, you now sit toward the back. See, struggles always pull us away. That's what they do. 
where a child would want to be around a parent, struggles cause the child not to want to be around the parent. You see, God wants to use those struggles to bring us closer to Him. To make us wiser. Now listen to me. For Him. To help us become foundational people that others can lean on. Every daddy ought to be that. Not because he's got enough money or he knows how to build something. Every mom ought to be that. Not because she can give you money or she can help you look to cook something. But because you're a foundational person who's grown close to God and wise for God that others can lean on you. And you know what? Your struggles become your stories into their lives and they learn from your struggle about their struggles and they find hope. Because you see, this world is full of people who are trying to escape from their struggles. Now, that's not to say I'm glad when struggles come into my life. I am not glad for that. But I realize, I mean, I'm not, listen, I'm not 16 any longer. I'm 64. I realize through my walk with God that struggles are opportunities. After I get over the initial, oh my goodness, I don't like this. And instead of acting like, like the sky is falling in all around, we ought to remain confident that God doesn't disappear from us. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open them to the very last book, the book of Revelation. And then just start coming forward to the left. You're going to have Jude, probably one or two pages. And then, then John, four or five pages. And then you got Peter. And then you got James. Why don't you look at James, the first chapter. Don't, don't put it up yet. James, the first chapter, excuse me. Tell you what, before we go any further, how about if I pray? God, I thank you. I thank you that there is not anything that hinders you from listening to my prayer right now. Except, as you tell us in Psalm 66, 18. If I do not confess my sin, you will not listen. God, I thank you for the man that taught me that that was written by the man that the Bible says was after your own heart, David. So that applies to your people. Not to those folks that don't know Jesus yet. God, I pray that every follower of Jesus in this room would agree with this prayer and would not let their own self-centered sinfulness get in the way. That you would listen to what is going on in their minds now. 
Awaken us, God. Awaken us to our struggles. So that we would allow you to grow us into our potential. It's because Jesus is Lord and there's so much God for us that we ask these things. Amen. So if you would, look there at the second verse in chapter two, chapter 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, so understand this is written to people who call Christ Lord, who are followers, okay? Uh, let's get an idea here. My Bible... It, Look at look, some of you have a Bible that at the very beginning of James it tells when it's written, gives a suggested date. Somebody got that date? My Bible doesn't have that in the first chapter. Just say the date. 50, 60, what? 49. Now think about this because let's get the perspective here. See, because we think, oh, wow, these are people when Jesus walked the earth. No. Okay, 49. Let's just go 50 and say Jesus died 30. 20 years later, okay, Jesus has been gone, he's gone back to be with the Father. So these are people who, that James is writing to that, that most likely never walked or talked with Jesus. They're people who were convinced by people who saw the literal resurrection of Jesus, who convinced other people about that resurrection. And that's another sermon sometime. But, uh, excuse me. But, but these are people who, like you and I, came to faith in Jesus because somebody told them about Jesus. And so by faith, they believed. Okay? And now they're living life, and we know by this time, 20 years later, Christians are persecuted. Okay, they're called cults. Uh, that's not what I make up. We can read some of writings of antiquity, and we can hear that groups of Christians are called a cult because, see, they're, they're acting different than the world around them. If they lived in Rome, Rome, well, let's start. If they lived in Jerusalem... And yeah, they'd still be in Jerusalem at this time because it wasn't until 70 that God did something through struggles to make His people get out of Jerusalem. But if they lived in Jerusalem, they lived in a Jewish culture, and so the Jewish culture said it's a little cult and said these people are cannibals because they eat the body and blood of some man, you know, taking what we call face-down communion. So, so, so they were a cult. And then when they moved into uh, the Gentile area, you see they went north and toward Antioch, Antioch became sort of a missionary-oriented church. And, and that area, we call it Turkey Minor, that was Gentile area. And so what happened is you got, you got, these, you got these Jewish believers who, who have moved up here because they were to go into all the world, and, and they're not living with many gods like the Gentiles. And so they're called a cult. And, and then they spread into Rome, and, and Rome was much, you know, Rome was the longest empire, basically, in Europe up to that time. Like America has been such a, a nation for so long, but it became very sensuous. Immorality was, was, was a virtue instead of a vice. Matter of fact, let's watch it and let's partake in it and, and let's teach our children to watch it and let's teach our children to partake in it. And, 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 and if, you, if you don't tolerate it, then you put down for your intolerance. And we celebrate tolerating. See? And that's what happened in Rome. Now, excuse me. 
And, and so what happened is these Christians moved into Rome <laughs> and they lived amongst this sensuous society, sexually sensuous society. I mean, I mean Rome was rampant with, with, with the wrong kind of sex. And, and these Christians were called cults. See? Much like Christians who are getting back to the Scriptures and it's all about Jesus and not about me and my gifts and my abilities... Sometimes they're called cult. It's happening across America with churches that are springing up like connection. Because there's just something different about us. And so James is writing this letter to people who are feeling the struggles from the world around them and from life tainted by sin. So he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, and I would recommend that you underline the next seven words, so if you ever read this six months from now, you understand this is what he's talking about. He says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. When you have struggles, instead of using the word troubles, I'm going to use the word struggles. When you have struggles, you are to consider an opportunity of great joy. Not because you're glad your child's sick, not because you're glad you lost your job, not because you're glad somebody's saying something that isn't true about yourself, but they're convinced it's true about you, not because you're glad for struggles, but because it's an opportunity for some kind of joy. See, see what he's trying to say, it's an opportunity to really find the depth of your character in relationship to God. When everything's going well, it's not the best time to find it for Mike Davis to discover the depth of his character in relationship with God. When things aren't going so well for us, that's when we can find the depth of our character in relationship to God. Now look what he says in three, four, big four, really. Based upon verse two, he says, now, four. You know that when your faith is, and I'd say circle that word tested. See, he's trying to say with the word for, that this ties in to verse 2. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a, and I'd underline those next three words, chance to grow. Because see, you're going to read this chapter and you'll go through it real quick and you'll get to the next verses which talk about endurance becoming this and hope becoming this and, 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 and somebody's going to teach you on those words and say you need all those and they don't tell you. But it's the struggles that you've got to have the right mental attitude toward. Because we always want the end results. I want to be like that strong Christian woman over there, like that strong Christian man. Oh, I want to be like that teacher. And so we want the end result. Forget about the journey. It's like every kid wants to grow up and have a job that pays hundred dollars to $200,000 a year. But they won't sit down and learn to read the book. When the teacher says, please sit down. See, we, we're, we're just like that. We want the end result. So he says, for you know that when your faith is tested, circled, your endurance has underlying chance to grow. In other words, he's trying to say, understand God's close to you. His whole purpose with your struggles are that you would grow. See that opportunity. Even though you don't like the opportunity, see the opportunity. 
And then in verse 4, he says, so. In other words, let's go on. Don't stop here. So. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. Needing nothing. In other words, when our faith is tested by our struggles, we become strong. When our faith is tested through our struggles, we become strong. Now remember, the devil wants to use your struggles to keep you from being useful for God. Whatever your struggles is. See? The devil wants to use it to keep you from being useful to God. James is a wonderful book. I wish there was time to go through all of it. But there's not today. And so what I want you to do, I want you to go to the last chapter with me. The fifth chapter. Go to the fifth chapter. Look at the next blank. And your worship hand out. When struggles come, we are to be calm. That's what we're going to see. Now, he talks about many things in James, but the book basically is written. Struggles that come within and struggles that come from without. And so he comes to this last chapter. Before he gets to the part about if you're sick, ask, ask the elders of your church. In other words, people who, who believe in prayer, pray over you. That's why whenever I found out about my sickness... The first time when I found out what it was, my connect group was meeting here, and after it got done, I asked my connect group to pray over me. I said, you who believe that God can work, blah, 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 you come pray. If you don't, don't come pray. Put your hands on me and pray. And then whenever I found out how real serious it was, that next Sunday night, I said, now, after we got all done with our worship, I said, now listen, this is serious, blah, blah, blah. And so, you who believe in prayer... Because see, that's what James says at the end of 5th chapter, but I'm going to stop before we get to that part. But, but I asked the people that believe in prayer to come and get around me and pray for me. See? And so, practice James with a struggle. But before you even get to that part about health issues, he says, we are to be calm. Okay? Now, before we look at that, today is the day that we receive what we call touch someone's life gift. Have we got our bags in here? Okay. Touch someone's life gift is when we give an offering. Okay. All right. A gift. We put money in these bags. At the end of the worship, I'm going to give the bag to somebody here and they're to give it to somebody in the world. And I don't want to miss this. So you guys come and start passing the bags. Most people here understand. If you're new, don't you give anything. If you haven't been coming to Connection very long, you just watch Connection people. Okay, I'm not concerned whether we get $20 or $100. Because whatever we get is going to be an encouragement to someone this week. So go ahead and pass those. Excuse me. Now, let's look at what he says about we are to be calm. Look at verse 7 in your scripture. When that bag comes by, you just stop, put your money in if you want, or just pass it on. Here he goes again. Who's he talking to? Dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians. See? He's talking to people who know Jesus Christ Lord. Be patient. That's where I get that word 
that we are to become. Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Okay? Now, now I'm not going to talk about the Lord's return. That can be another sermon. Jesus is going to come back, believe me. Okay? And uh, we are to be patient that. But He's talking about struggles in life in this book. And, 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 and that's true because He closed the book with the struggle of sickness. But He's saying, <clears throat> as you have to be patient for Jesus come back because He's going to come back. And, 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 and listen, I remember an older man once said to me, and he didn't know it was in the Bible. He says, I've heard for years, I've gone to church, and Jesus come back. And now I was a young man, I heard it, now I'm an old man. Or I was a child when I first heard it, now I'm an old man, he's ever come back, I wonder. And I told him, that's what the Bible says, some people are going to say. So we've got to be patient. Well, now when it comes to struggles, we've got to be patient. And he gives us an illustration. He says, consider the farmer who patiently waits for the rain and the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly, eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. In other words, you cannot hurry the process of growth. If there was a way and you made corn grow in 60 days, what takes, what, 90 to 100 days? Is that right, Brad, for corn? A little longer? If you hurry it, you're not going to get the same ear of corn. See? It's not going to be as good. And so you've got to be patient. And when it comes to our struggles, we've got to be calm. Don't overreact during struggles. That's what we do. When struggles come, we tend to overreact. We've got to remain calm. Be patient, he says. Like a farmer. See, the farmer, the farmer does the planting, the watering, the fertilizing, and then what's he got to do? He's got to trust God. That's what he's got to do. That's what James is trying to say we do in regard to the difficulties in life that come our way. The struggles that come our way. We've got to be patient. I'm sorry your mother is that way. I'm sorry your dad's that way. I'm sorry your child's that way. Be patient. Be patient. Be calm. You see, when struggles come, we've got to look at God's time in working, not my time. I I shared with with somebody this morning because they love me, and that's all you people do is love on me during this time. I know that many of you. I appreciate that so much. I told him when I, when I had my left knee totally replaced, I got depressed. Within two months, I wasn't up and running around. But six or seven months, I, I could basically do everything but squat on the left knee much lower than that. But see, I asked the doctor, will I be able to catch a ball when my grandson pitch it to me? He says, yeah, you'll get there. And I learned something. Now that's been four years ago. And so as I told this person, you know... <laughs> I'm just being patient. I'll be okay. Everything goes right. End of 2014 or the beginning of 2015. I mean, that's like six months. You see, when struggles come, we tend not to remain calm and we want to force God's timetable. That's what we want to do. And you know that's true. When struggles come into your life, you lose your job. Somebody's being disloyal to you. You, you, you want to push it. And we often try to do God's job during struggles. And we can't. Just like the farmer can't make the corn grow. He can't. Hence, what happens to our emotions? It gets out of control in the midst of struggles. And you know that's what happens when struggles come. You emotionally get out of control. And we're told, when struggles come, my word, His word be patient, my word is be calm. Now, I don't always practice that. 
asked Laura. (laughs) But God reminds me of that because I know this fact. Now look at the next blank in your worship handout. We are told to be cool. Now, cool and calm couldn't mean the same thing, but I'm going to mean a little bit different. Be calm. Just Just don't let it boil over, but sort of put ice on it. Sort of be cool. He says in verse 8, you too must be patient. There's that word patient. Take courage. See, what do you add to struggle is you add to courage. Take courage. Put the ice on it. Be cool. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Now see, again, he's talking about just as we've got to be cool, Jesus is coming. You see, because as that older man said to me, I heard it all my life and I wonder if He's really coming. And the Bible says that's what people are going to say. So, so, so add courage. I'm going to trust His coming. I'm going to trust what God is doing. Now he goes on. Look what he says in 9. This is where I get my cool. What's the first two words? Whoa! You ought to circle that. You ought to circle that. Where you circled the word tested. Okay. Y'all a circle. Don't grumble. Now, what do you do? Struggles come. Oh, oh, I'm sure you talk to yourself like I do. Now, I dumb guy I am. Why did I ever do that to cause this to happen? My goodness, da 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 da. But that conversation gets a little boring. So, if my emotions get out of control, I begin grumbling to the people close to me. Begin grumbling toward my children. So he says, don't grumble about each other. Brothers and sisters, talking to Christians, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. In other words, remember, God is near. In other words, when struggles come, be careful. Don't start attacking each other. That's what we tend to do. See, if we don't stay calm, our emotions get out of control. And if we don't know how to put ice on it, in a sense, and we don't be cool, we begin attacking each other. See, we forget God is near. God will help you. And and what, what we tend to do is we begin blaming each other. And it's much easier to blame someone else than it is for me to take the responsibility for my action today. You don't understand. I'm all alone. You're not going through this. You don't care. See, we begin blaming. That's that's easy. That's the easiest thing. Blame others instead of taking responsibility. And I'm going to tell you what. Now listen to me. Often the blaming becomes destructive. It becomes destructive to the self-worth of the person who loves you so, so, so much. And it becomes sinful. To know what God wants you to do, James said, and do it not is sin, and you know that is not what God wants you to do. But you see, you're not being calm, and you definitely aren't adding God's eyes to the situation. And I'm going to tell you, you start doing things God wouldn't want you to do. I'm not going to read my Bible more. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to go to connect group. I'm not going to help. I'm just going to pull away. I'm going to be by myself. Because they're all my trouble. 
We are to trust God in our struggles. Now listen, trust does not mean you don't do anything. Now I'm not saying that. I talked about adding the ice to it. Be cool, okay? Trust does not mean you don't do it. I have faith in God. I'm going to wait. The Bible says this. Look on the screen for the sake of time. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Many of you know this or you've heard it before. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. I'm going to tell you, that's where our problem begins to build. Whenever I try to understand because of my struggles from my justification, not even thinking about what God wants, that's when my troubles begin to build. They already started. The struggles came. You know, I'm tempted. I'm being pulled. I'm not staying calm. I'm definitely not going to put God's ice on me to be cool. And so I start moving into my brain's understanding and what happens is that's where my problems begin to build. So what's he say to do? Seek His will, verse 6, and all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Seek His will in all you do. That's our help during struggle. I must find out what God wants me to do. Now listen, in my struggles, my tendency is to want to lean to my own understanding. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to take every progression I think is proper, which I'm going to tell you, you know is wrong, when it keeps moving you away from where God wants you to be, where you should be. And how does God help me know His will? He speaks to me through other people that He's using. My tendency is getting to my own understanding. I'm not going to listen to those people. Maybe they've helped me for months. Maybe they've helped me for years. You know, I talked to a little girl this morning just trying to get her to acknowledge that the adult in her life was her big help and she would not acknowledge that. Denied it. I slapped her three times, she still wouldn't acknowledge it. I kicked her in the bottom, she still wouldn't acknowledge it. Well, that's understandable. You're talking about an infant. Before adults, how does God often help us know His will if we seek it? He uses people to explain to us what might be a proper ice to cool us down with. We are told when struggles come, be calm. We are told when struggles come, be cool. The next blank on your worship handout says we are told to be confident. We are told to be confident. Look at verse 10. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters. Look how he keeps pleading with Christian people to hear this. The very people to be open. Sometimes the most hard-headed folks there are. For examples of patience and suffering. See, somebody says, I think you're making this up. He's talking about the Lord's return. Look, he always gets back because that's what James is all about. The struggles in life. Because there's 20 years removed from Jesus. There's no Jesus to walk beside them. And they got to live by faith. 
And they can only live by faith as they, they, they share with one another. And there's somebody who has, who, has, who has drawn closer to God because of their struggles and who has become wiser for God because of their struggles and who has become strong for God because of their struggles that now they can lean on that person. And see, they're needing each other more than they've ever have. For example, of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters. Look at the prophets. I mean, all they know about the prophets is what they can read about the prophets in the Old Testament. Who spoke in the name of the Lord. In other words, if anything, the prophets had confidence in God. That's what he's trying to say. And I was going to go through prophets, and I thought, no, that's going to make the sermon too long. Just understand. I mean, some of those prophets, manic depressive. And yet God used them. Many of them always experiencing despair and depression. And yet God used them. Because they had this confidence in God. Where they lost their confidence was in people. See? And what they had in the Old Testament relationship as as a body of God was nothing as intimate as what the New Testament teaches in the local church if you're willing to become intimate in the local church. Some of you are very serving, but you're not real intimate. See, they had confidence in God. Verse 11, we give great honor to those who endured under suffering. See, he's still talking about suffering from the first chapter to the fifth chapter. For instance, you know about Job. I don't have time to explain it. Job had a great deal, as he said, a man of great endurance. Great deal of struggles. He said, a man of great endurance. You can see how that the Lord was kind to him at the end. And we see God was there. Go through Job's experience. Looks like this sin-conflicted world is winning. And I'd recommend after it says the Lord was kind to him at the end, you underline the next nine words, the rest of that verse. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. You see, when the struggle is in front of you, that's what you've got to remember. The Lord, you've got to be confident in God that He is full of tenderness and mercy. Don't forget. Now, listen. How do you get that? By faith, I'm going to trust in God. No. How do you get reminded of the tenderness and mercy? From His Word, the Bible. It keeps speaking into your life. That's why if you come and tell me you're having a problem in your marriage, you come and tell me you're having a problem in your family, you come and tell me you're having a problem in your work, you come and tell me you're having a problem in your health, you know what I'm asking you? How, why don't we meet once a week for about an hour? And you know what you're going to find out? We're going to talk about life, but I'm going to give you something from God's Word. You see, because, because you've got to be confident about God. Because you get caught up in your own understanding. It never helped my marriage. It never helped my family. It never helped my work. It never helped me. That's because you've seen a lot of Christians who are just stuck in their struggles. I mean, you've got to stay there. A lot of Christians who never grow closer to God and soar in their potential. Oh, they're great people. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather have the worst Christian around me than the best sinner, lost person, person without Christ. Because there's something inside the worst Christian that's inside me that's the Holy Spirit and there can be communication. That's not in the person that does not know Christ. So there tends to be a communication barrier. That's why with those people i got to really live and love like Jesus. Because love communicates. 
But you've got to remember, God speaks through His words and He speaks through the lives of His people who have grown from their struggles. And he, those, His words becomes His spokesman. So I read about what the Bible says. And the lives of people who have grown through their struggles, they become God's spokesman. You know what most people do? They get with people who are caught in their struggles and they ask for advice from them in a sense and they don't get God's advice. They get the advice of the world, of sin's taintness. This is why worship is so important. This is why Bible study is so important. Because you see, it makes no difference which Sunday you come in here. I doubt if two or three in a row ever go by that one of them isn't speaking to you. See, because God, God is full of tenderness and mercy. He's near. Regular hearing from God and what He says gives us encouragement. It is what helps us. But it's more than just hearing now. It's remembering. That's why I encourage you to bring your Bible and encourage you to underline so that when you read it, you'll, and, and, and maybe go over your worship handout this week. God reminds you of some things He talked to you about today. But Mike kept moving on. And you'd rather just think about that thought. Well, this week you can think about it longer. God has worked in the lives of others. Job went through a struggle. So he says, look at Job's example. God worked through the prophets. Look at their example. And God wants to work in your life. He wants to work in your life because He wants you to know He's full of tenderness and mercy so that when those who need that come to you with absolute certainty, you can say, some days are tough, but I know God's near and He is full of the willingness to help. Yeah, we're told when struggles come, be calm. Don't get it out of emotionally control. Be cool. Start putting a little ice on the situation that God would want. And be confident that God cares. When, trouble, when struggles come, instead of the, a chicken little type atmosphere, you know the story, chicken little, the sky's falling, sky falling, because he got hit by an acorn or something, and he thought everything was falling apart. And so a struggle hits you, and boy, my whole life's falling apart. Instead of the chicken little complex, what it is to need to be is just a turning to God. God can be trusted. I'm going to be calm. God is near. I'm going to be cool. And I know what God has done in the lives of others. I'm going to be confident. The Scottish theologian Samuel Rutherford said this, Believe in God's love. Believe in God's love. I'm going to do that once more. See if I can get another sneeze. Believe in God's love. <laughs> Excuse me. Laura says I laugh funny now. <laughs> he said, Believe in God's love and power more than you believe in your own feelings and experiences. Oh, I'm not finished. Let me repeat that. This is that own understanding to seeking God's will. 
Believe in God's love and power more than you believe in your own feelings and experiences. Your rock is Christ. And He is correct. Now look at the last blank on your message, on your worship handout, I'm sorry. It starts like the first one. The devil wants to use your struggles to keep you from being usable for God. But God will use it. Changes from the first one. But God will use your struggles to build you up and make you an example for others to find strength and encouragement when struggles come. Find strength and encouragement. It's based on struggles come. You and I just got to be calm. We got to be cool. And we got to be confident. Okay, do we have the, the bags? With, or the bag, whatever it is, touch someone's life, gift. Connection is just an amazing church. Uh, let's see, I think that's about $236 appreciate that. that that's outstanding. Uh, Caleb Watkinson, would you be willing to do this this week? There's a little sheet to help you understand, okay? And uh, Lauren Taylor, would you be willing to do it? Or this month, do it this week, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate that. There's a little sheet to help you understand. And, and for you all wonder that sheet, is, some people make this more difficult than it should. It's just encouragement. It's not looking for the poorest person. I wish somebody would call my name some Sunday. I think I'm going to go to some country club. I'm going to look for a person in a tie and a suit, got it all together. And I'm just going to give it to that person. Encouragement. But, you know, you do what you think God wants you to do. I appreciate that. Hey, let me pray and then we're finished when I finish praying. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for James. You hear me always thanking you for, for your word and whoever it is that the book is named after. Thank you for these people. Thank you for their attention. Guys, God. I would think somebody would grumble somewhere saying, when are we going to stop giving money to people we don't even know? And yet connection just steps up. I thank you, Father, for allowing me the privilege to stand right here, right now, with these people. us help us today just to glorify you in the name of Jesus we pray amen